Well, good morning, everyone. Oh, I'm so glad you're here today. If you're brand new, we're in the midst of a series called Spring Cleaning, and the basic idea is just this, that we want to look at our lives and just see what are some areas that we might be able to tidy up, to like organize, and to just do a little bit of spring cleaning with, that now it finally feels like spring again, right? So I'm glad that we can actually be applying this idea of spring cleaning, not just to like our homes, our cars, our apartments, or whatever, but really really to our lives. And so we've been looking at a few different topics. We've already looked at the importance of doing some spring cleaning in our relationships. And then last week we started taking a look at doing some spring cleaning, some organizing, and some tidying up with our financial lives. Because this is just true, right? Like finances affect all of us, right? Whether we have a lot or whether we have a little, right? That really, paying attention to our finances is important if we're gonna have healthy, ongoing, you know, holy and good lives. And so today, we wanna explore this a little bit deeper. Last week, I shared with you why we're called to live really generously. Today, I wanna teach you how to live generously, right? Because they're kind of two separate things. But to begin with, what we're gonna be doing in just a moment is actually sharing for you a video and a little bit of a testimony of somebody who has lived with generosity for quite a while, of somebody who many of you would know, right? I'm gonna share with you a short interview that I did with Pastor Larry Shantz, right? Now, you knew it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Now, if you don't know who Larry is, you might be a bit newer, and that's, that's wonderful. We're glad that you're here. Larry was the previous lead pastor for over 43 years before I became lead pastor. And in some ways, if you're new, this honestly will tell you all you need to know about our church. The fact that we've had somebody who served for such a long time. And can we just be honest with this, right? Larry is still a pastor here, Amen. He is still pastoring, he is still meeting with people and caring for people. And the fact that we were able to have such a healthy transition, I don't know if you know this, this never happens in churches. Like it just, it doesn't. Either the new guy is gone or the old guy is gone. Never do you have both of them still serving together. And so today I wanna share with you a little bit of an interview with Larry where he talks about the importance of living with generosity. He's just gonna share how it's affected his life and living this way for decades and how it's actually affected our church. So I invite you to watch that uh, with us and then we're gonna talk about how do you live this way practically. Well, today we wanna be able to spend a little bit of time and to hear from Larry, actually all on this topic of generosity and living with a posture of being generous and not grasping. And so Larry, uh, how has living with generosity changed and impacted you in your life? Well, I think it's a way of life. It, it's something that I learned from my dad. <laughs> um, I remember he used to let me put his offering in the offering plate when it went by. Of course, they had envelopes, and I used to sneak at how much he looked. I, he gave, and I, I couldn't believe how much he gave. And so that really impacted me, that um, my dad was a generous person, and uh, it was a way of life. And so I wanted to follow that. Hmm. Oh, that's beautiful. Because I think generosity isn't just something that we're called to practice, we're actually called to pass it on as well to those around us, and like to our kids, grandkids, all that kind of thing. Yeah, and so we made it very intentional right from the beginning, Sharon and I, when we were married, no matter what, we would um, practice the principle of Christian stewardship. That God has given us everything that we are and that we are stewards of it. And that was hard the first couple of years because um, <laughs> Sharon was a student <laughs> uh, in Teachers College. Um, 
the income of the church when we came was not very much. I, I still remember that uh, my pay came after the Sunday morning service, uh, right out of the cash that was given. And if there was enough that was given that week, I would be paid fully. <laughs> if there wasn't, well, I'd wait till next week. <laughs> and that's really how it worked. But we still practice the stewardship. <laughs> And isn't that really then living like with faithfulness and trusting God in that sense? Like it really is like, God, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. But God blessed. um, And I think when you're, uh, you understand stewardship, that God owns everything, you you can learn to live on less. Hmm. But the joy that came with that, uh, I'll never forget uh, one of my daughters, we were coming home from church. And it was in the day we didn't have air conditioning in the car. It was a hot summer day. Uh, Kids were hungry because we stayed and we had to talk to everybody. And as we're driving home, there's this car on the roadside that was full of a family. And they were obviously having problems. And so um, I was debating, should I stop or shouldn't I stop? And one of my kids in the back said, there's something wrong and we need to stop. So we stopped and they were out of gas and so we went and we got gas and it took us probably another 15 minutes till we got the gas and helped them on their way. And as we're leaving, my daughter in the back pipes up, Dad, I am so glad that we stopped. I feel so good that we were able to help that family. Mm -hmm. I will never forget that. The blessing that comes when you follow God's principles of generosity. Yeah. Do you want to share a bit more maybe on that and why you think kind of living generously like that, both, you know, probably with our finances, but also in that case, like our time and energy and all of that, you know, really matters? Well, there's a blessing that comes with it. I mean, statistically, there's been even secular books written that people who are generous are happier. Jesus himself said it is more blessed to give than receive. It's this Christian principle. A farmer who plants few seeds gets a small harvest. Uh, a farmer who plants bountifully gets a great harvest. It's the law of the harvest. It, it's the principle that if we are willing to bless others, God will bless us. Yeah, all right. And what has maybe helped you to kind of live life in this generous, open, kind of non-grasping posture? What's helped you to, yeah, to practice? Well, to know that God will provide that God blesses and and to see the blessing that come to other people. We've been through five major building programs (laughs) and every one of them requires sacrifice. And I've learned from other people. I'll never forget when we bought, we relocated to this land. We needed, uh, we had an offering and the goal was $10,000 and it seemed impossible for us to ever reach that. that. And there was an older couple in our church who met with me and said, we really don't understand why we're relocating. Um, It doesn't make sense to us. But we believe that God is leading you. He's brought you here. And we're going to support you and support the ministry. And that week we had the offering and we did get $10,000, but because that couple gave half of it. (laughs) Uh, Because they had learned to be generous. And that blessed me in a way that I just can't even describe that I never forgot. Yeah. If I'm willing to be generous, God will bless. Yeah. No, I think that is beautiful and so true. 
Um, yeah. Something I also know about you, and I didn't prep you with this, but I think this is fair. Uh, I know that we have rarely ever gone out for lunch ever when there's not been a coupon that has been involved, <laughs> when there's not been some sort of way of, you know, I, but what I've learned from you with that is that you seek to find ways to live with less or to save so that you can be generous. That, it's not about stinginess, it's actually about like, yeah. stewardship. Yeah, we've lived that way all, all along. I'm the price matcher. I'm the person who uh, will rarely go out unless, um, yeah, there's a cheaper way. I, I guess the whole principle is if you pay 70 or 80% for something, you'll have 20 or 25% left over, and you can use that to be generous. Exactly. So that's kind of all behind that. My kids call me tight and stingy and and yeah, sometimes I am overly and so I've learned to be a little bit more generous in that regard as well. In especially in the tipping regard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and as somebody who has um real like a wealth of both like ministry and pastoral experience, what might you say to somebody um, even kind of pastorally, who hasn't really started this practice of living generously or made it a habit, they might be considering it. What might you, what might you say to someone like that? I guess I would just point out the joy of generosity, mm -hmm. that if you're willing to plant bountifully, you can receive a great harvest. And Jesus says in Luke 6, 38, he, he gives this principle of generosity. He says, with the measure that you use to bless others, it would be measured unto you and to receive. So in other words, um, if I give with a thimbleful <laughs> to others, then all I have to receive God's blessing is a thimble. Yeah. But if I use a bushel hamper yeah. to give to others yeah. bountifully, yeah. then God can give to me bountifully in my bushel hamper. Yeah. And, and that, and he says, pressed down and shaken uh, up and, um, but it's the size that you use that will be measured to your, the, the blessing that God will give you. Yeah. So the law of the harvest says, if you give, God will give back. And, and test God, yeah. Malachi says, test God in these things. But the principle of giving is always with joy. It's mm -hmm. never begrudgingly, it's never out of guilt. It's give thought to what you're going to give pray about it, and then let God bless you in accordance, and there's great joy with that. Yeah. And one of the things a, a farmer learns in planting is what you plant is what you receive. <laughs> I actually do this. You plant a seed of corn. Do you ever count the number of seeds on a cob of corn? I, I cannot say I, I ever have. But. I have done that many times. You can get up to 800 and 900 seeds in one cob of corn. And that one stalk of corn will have up to three cobs. So you multiply that, that's 2,500 mm -hmm. kernels of corn that you get from one seed. Yeah. That's what I call a bountiful harvest. Yeah. But you know, you gotta plant the seed before you yeah. get it. And you can't do anything about last year's crop failure, but you can do something about next year's crop failure. Yeah. And the reason we plant seeds is we always plan to get more back than we planted. Mm -hmm. And that's the principle of Christian stewardship. Yeah. You are willing to give what God gives you, whatever it is, God blesses you back in abundance. Because yeah. really it's, um, it's an act of trusting then in God, isn't it? It's like a, it's, yeah. It's a, it's a way of even showing that. It's yeah. an act of trust. Yeah. And God is faithful. 
and has always been faithful to us. So whenever we've come across times where sacrifice is needed, even beyond our tithe, that's what an offering is to me. It's we give our tithes uh, and the offering is beyond and above. So whether it's for a ref case of refugees, whether it's for a mission work in El Salvador or Guatemala, or whether it's for a building program, um, let's give above and beyond and, and let's see what God will do in blessing you. Well, let's say uh, thank you for Larry uh, here today sharing with us. And all I can say to that is like, yeah, amen. Thank you, Larry. Yeah, it's been my joy. Thanks, Andrew. Can we uh, say thank you for Larry uh, sharing with us here today? Krista leaned over to me as we were watching that. She said, like, that's all you need. Like, you don't need to preach. And I was like, well, I do have some things prepared, though. So uh, we're going to continue on with preaching. Okay. And what I really want to talk about then is, is how do you live that way, right? Because Larry really shared with us some of the principles, right, of giving, of being generous, and the impact it can have. Today, I want to look at really practically for you how we can start to manage our finances so that we might live generously, so that we might live in a different way than the world around us, so that we might live more open-handed rather than grasping, okay? And to do that, then we're going to be taking a look today at the book of Proverbs. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them up uh, to Proverbs. We're going to be jumping around in Proverbs a lot because Proverbs doesn't teach things sequentially. It kind of gives these little bits of wisdom all over the place. And what Proverbs is really about, actually, is about living a successful life. That's what Proverbs is about. It's actually really clear because it's like the opening statement of the book. Let me read to you Proverbs 1, starting in verse 2. Their purpose, talking about Proverbs, is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them to understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives. Anybody want to have a successful life? Amen. Right? Then we're going to pay attention to these principles to live through, right? The purpose is to teach to, um, people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. Okay, so we're going to take a look at some of the Proverbs and the principles related to money, wealth, finances, all of that sort of thing. And today what I want to do is I'm going to give you four principles to live by and then three ways to actually do that because we want to be practical with this. I want to be upfront with this as well. Proverbs, just as we are, um, so we're aware, Proverbs teaches principles, not promises. And there's a real problem when we turn the principles of, Pro of Proverbs into promises or guarantees. They're principles to live by. And what we're going to explore today, I know in some ways this might be disappointing. I don't think there's going to be anything that's like radically new. You're not like, oh, I've never thought of that before. In some ways, it's going to be much more common sense. But here's the thing with common sense. It might be common. Most people don't put it into practice, right? So today, what we're really going to be exploring is some principles to put into practice, which means the real depth will be found like this afternoon or this week when you start to put this stuff into application in your life, right? Because these principles are ones that are sometimes easy to grasp, but take some work to actually practice. And so let's begin with the first principle that I think that Proverbs teaches. The first principle I think that Proverbs teaches when it comes to, I don't know, finances, is the importance of hard work, is the importance of hard work. Or as we talked about like a few weeks ago, the importance of living with responsibility and diligence and doing the right things. Let me read you some verses from Proverbs. We'll start in Proverbs 6, uh, 6 to 8. It says this, take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Solomon is sometimes quite direct, okay? He's quite direct. He also likes to take like lessons from every day. He's going to try to show, like, hey, this stuff is functioning in the world. Let's start to pay attention, right? So he says this, take a lesson from the ants. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. 
Just talking about the importance of hard work in our lives. That if you want to be able to survive and have a successful life, hard work is needed and necessary. Okay? Or, for example, Proverbs 10, verse 4 puts it this way. And again, these are principles, not promises. Right? Principles. Lazy people are soon poor. Hard workers get rich. Or Proverbs 14, verses 23 says this. Work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. Okay? And again... Again, we're talking about principles, because I say this um, pretty obvious, that many of us know, many of us know people who work incredibly hard, but are not able to move forward, right? These aren't promises, they're principles. And I think the principle at work is very true, actually. The principle at work is just this, right? That if you don't work hard, you are not going to be able to move forward. We know that sometimes the reverse isn't true as well, that sometimes you can work really hard, and our world is just unjust. It just is, right? But what we also do know is the principle is true, right? That you need to work hard to actually move forward. Or to use more colloquial language, right? Slacking never leads to success. Anyone want to say amen to that? Right? Slacking never leads to success. And again, this is common sense, but it, but it matters. It matters. You know this if you're an employer, because the kind of employees you look for are people who work hard, who don't slack. You know this if you're a parent, because this is probably what you're trying to teach your kids or especially your teenagers, right? That slacking doesn't help. You know this too, if you work for anybody, that you hope that your boss or coworkers also you know, work hard and don't kind of um, you know, pull their weight, all of that sort of thing. That really what Proverbs is teaching is something that is obvious and needed and necessary, that really slacking doesn't lead to success. We need to work hard if we're gonna be able to manage our financial lives. And I think this is important for us to state really clearly that we can't move forward financially without work, effort, and discipline. Because our world has fallen in love with get-rich-quick stories. Our world loves this, right? This is why you see like newspaper articles about, I invested in Bitcoin and now I'm a billionaire or whatever, right? Or like, I started a YouTube channel or I'm a Twitch star or whatever it may be. We love stories where people get financially free quickly and with little effort. Do you wanna know why? because it feeds our own consumerism and self-interest. It gives us this idea that we can all become rich without putting any effort into it. Sorry to ruin all of your bubbles today, okay? But actually, it requires hard work to actually manage your finances and to move forward. It just does, right? Slacking doesn't lead to success, right? And the second thing that I think with this that Proverbs teaches is that we need to avoid these ideas of quick, rich schemes. Proverbs says this as well. A hard worker has plenty of food, but a person who chases fantasies has no sense. Right? Again, pretty direct. But chasing after fantasies, chasing after things that promise things that are too good to be true, probably mean it is too good to be true. Amen? Right? This is just what it's teaching. Straightforward stuff. Work hard and avoid shortcuts. That's how I kind of put it for today's language. Okay? Work hard and avoid shortcuts. Next principle. Next principle. It's not only work hard, but also pay attention to your finances. Pay attention to your money. Like track it and really know it, okay? Proverbs puts it this way. And again, remember, radically obvious to everybody, uh, when Solomon was writing, there were no ATMs, okay? When Solomon was writing, there were no ATMs. So what he's saying is gonna be set in an agrarian society. Where he writes this, know the state of your flocks and put your heart into caring for your herds. Do you wanna know what he's talking about there? Money finances, wealth. Your flocks were like your bank account. 
back then, right? That's like your checking, savings, whatever, all wrapped into one. When he says, know the state of your herds, know the state of your flocks, he's saying, pay attention to your finances where you are at. We know this because the very next verse starts talking about riches, wealth, and money because flocks were that back then. He says this, for riches don't last forever and a crown might not be passed on to the next generation. Now, what Solomon is teaching is really that we cannot move forward without paying attention to our finances, our money, our accounts, that sort of thing. That's what he means when he's saying, know the state of your flocks. To update it for today, it should be like, know the state of your financial situation. That's what he's going to be saying. You can't move forward if you have no idea where you're at. That practically, and I'll I'll be honest, because, well, as you all know, vulnerability matters for us. I've done this. I've been in this space. You don't have to put up your hand or anything. But has anybody ever, like, opened up a credit card bill to be surprised? Right? Or if you've gone to buy something and been like, I thought there was more in this account. Right? This is really practical, what he's talking about. Know the state of where you're at. That we shouldn't be surprised by those things. We shouldn't be surprised by those things because we know the state of our herds or we know where we are at financially. That's what he's really teaching with this passage. Third advice, our third kind of principle. We have work hard and avoid shortcuts. We have know the state of your finances, but pay attention. Third um, kind of principle is that we do all this hard work and knowing where we're at for better stewardship, not for greed, okay? I just think the goal is really important for us to understand, that it's for better stewardship, not for greed. We are not trying to amass wealth so that we just become like more and more wealthy. It is not for greed that we seek to do these things. It's actually to live healthier, better, generous, good stewardship kind of lives, okay? This is really important to state up front because our world thinks that the goal of everything is to amass more wealth, and this is what our world teaches, either subtly or explicitly. The goal is to amass more wealth, and it doesn't matter how you do it. I want to state that that is wrong and that it's sinful. It does matter how we manage our finances. It does matter how we generate wealth. What we do matters immensely because, like, Proverbs is immensely clear, and it's going to talk about how... I'll give you a few verses. How Solomon speaks against greed, oppression, and exploitation. Okay? He says things like this. People curse those who hoard their grain, but they bless those, the one who sells in the time of need. Or Proverbs 22:16 16 says this. A person who gets ahead by oppressing the poor, listen to what God says, right? This is scripture, will end in poverty. Right? He says this. A person who gets ahead by oppressing the poor or by showering gifts on the rich will end in poverty. Solomon just wants to be explicitly clear that yes, we should work hard. Yes, we should pay attention for our finances. But we should never do so in such a way that it comes at the cost of hurting, oppressing, or exploiting others. That while our world teaches, all that matters is that we have more and more and more. What Solomon wants to teach and what the Bible wants to teach is that God cares about how wealth is earned. God cares about what we do with it. And God cares about how we create it. The problem in our modern world, the problem in our modern world is it is built on exploitation and oppression. The problem is, is that we just don't see it very often because it's like across the world or something. We need to pay attention to this because God actually cares about how we generate wealth. It matters with how we create it. He's actually pretty direct in this verse. And I think this is important for us to just state. Listen to what he says in Proverbs 22, 22 to 23. Don't rob the poor just because you can Anyone want to say amen to that? Right? We shouldn't be doing that junk. Right? Don't rob the poor just because you can or exploit the needy in court. Listen to what it says, though. God's pretty direct. 
for the Lord is their defender, and he will ruin anyone who ruins them. That what should be unquestionably clear from reading the Bible is that God is always on the side of the poor and the marginalized. And if we want to stand with him, we stand with them. That's the whole point, right? That's what he's saying there. He's like, if you use any of your wealth to actually hurt others, there's accountability for that. Or do you want to know sometimes like old Christian term is like judgment for that, right? That there's going to be some actual reworking of that. So what's God taught us so far through, through the book of Proverbs? Work hard, right? Avoid shortcuts. Pay attention to your finances. And that the point is good stewardship, not greed. And then lastly, what he's going to teach us is something, again, that's fairly, I don't know, common sense. But common sense isn't always common in terms of our practice daily lives. Jesus does this. Be wary of debt. Be wary of debt. This is what Proverbs says. I'll give you a few different verses. Proverbs 22. Uh, Don't agree to guarantee another person's debt or put up security for someone else. It's Proverbs 22, 26 to 27. If you can't pay it, even your bed will be snatched out from under you. Or in Proverbs 17, verse 18, we read this. It's poor judgment. That's a good way of putting it. Like, Proverbs is all about discerning right living and not. It's about being wise. It says this, it's poor judgment to guarantee another person's debt or to put up security for a friend. Or this verse in Proverbs 22, verse 7, it gets at the reason why that is sometimes poor judgment. It says this, just as the rich rule the poor, the borrower is servant to the lender. And here's what he's teaching is this, that really what debt is, and our world never talks about this, what debt is, is you actually become accountable to somebody else. That's what he's talking about there, right? That the borrower is a servant or a slave to the lender. That what debt does is it creates a tie or it creates a bond between you and somebody else that you then serve. So Solomon is saying just be really, really wary of that. Be wary of getting into it too quickly. Be wary of getting into it too deeply. Be wary of just taking it on. Our world, our world, you know what they love to do? Our world loves to encourage debt. Do you want to know why? Because then you're serving somebody else. That's part of it. It's actually based on exploitation, again. So Proverbs just teaches, be wary of it. And I know that this is like old school. But do you want to know what my dad taught me? Uh, I don't think we teach finances all that much anymore. But do you want to know what my dad taught me when it came to finances based on this verse in debt? He taught me uh, that there were only three things to go into debt willingly over. Right? He taught me that you should only go into debt for like getting a car, a home, or schooling. That's what he said. Those are the only three things. And what he said to me was, you take the least amount of debt you possibly can, and you pay it off as quickly as you can. And the reason he taught that was just because of this verse, about being wary about it. Because then you're going to be serving somebody else. Okay? So what Proverbs teaches us is really four things. To work hard and avoid shortcuts. To pay attention to your finances. To root out greed and exploitation. And to be wary and careful of debt. And just be wary and careful of it. Because people love to push it on uh, so many of us. Right? So to be wary and careful of it. So as I said, I know in many ways this is kind of common sense, but common sense is really needing to be practiced. So I want to give you three ways to put these principles into practice for you today, right? So you can actually do some work. So you might be in a better financial place like by the end of the week, by the end of like six months from now, you know, a year from now, whatever it may be. So I'm going to give you three practical advice kind of steps with this, okay? And they are budgeting, tracking, and dreaming. I want to talk about each of them. Budgeting, tracking, and dreaming. I want to begin by talking about budgeting and why all of us should have a budget, okay? Now, as soon as I start to talk about budgeting, I know that there are people, and they are my people in this room, who are like, yay, we should all have very strict budgets, right? There are some of you who are like me, and this is a great thing. 
I also know that there are some of you in this room who are more like my wife, okay? Okay? Now, my wife has never made one of my mandatory budget meetings that I have set up with her, okay? She has conveniently forgot about them or been somewhere else. This happens all the time, okay? So I, I get, especially if you're in like a marriage, that God sometimes brings together two people who are very different, right? But what I want to talk about with budgeting is that it's needed, okay? That it's nothing to actually neglect. It's certainly nothing to be scared of, and it's nothing to be bored by. It's honestly just really prudent and good discipline and good advice. That budgeting is needed, necessary, important. Because really what budgets are, is they are plans for the future. That's what they are. They are ways for you to gain control over your finances. And it'll actually help you to manage your finances better. That if you don't have a budget, what you'll quickly start to see is that finances can easily go sideways. Because you're not kind of planning how to use it. It's just happening, right? And this is a way, budgeting, of actually putting it into practice, like Solomon's advice. Because remember what Solomon teaches us? Pay attention to your finances. Be careful with debt and to work hard, right? One of the ways of doing all three of those things is to create and to stick to a budget. That's a way to work hard because it's going to take some work, right? That's a way to pay attention to your finances, and it's a way to help to manage debt or to make sure we don't go too much further into debt, okay? So today, I'm going to give you a little challenge, right? There's going to be more, so yay. Uh, but today, I want to give you a little challenge, right? To actually create or update a budget. That's what I invite you to do actually create or update a budget. Whether you have like $10 or like $10,000 or whatever it is, to actually create or update a budget. And if you've never made a budget before, we're gonna send out some links and some helps on our newsletter, so make sure that you um, sign up for that if you, if you aren't a part of it. And there's lots of like budget tools online that you can use, but if you've never created a budget, here's my suggestion on how to do it, okay? I'm gonna give you just three steps to create a budget. And it's pretty simple, and again, common sense in some ways, but our world teaches the exact opposite. Here's how I think you should create a budget. That first, you give, then you save, and then you spend. That's how I think you should create a budget. Meaning you take all that you kind of, all the money you get in a month, and you take all of your expenses, and you work it out, and the way that you manage it is through giving, saving, and spending. That the first thing that you should do whenever you have any income come in is to prioritize giving, actually. It's to prioritize giving. It should be the first thing that we do, not the last. Often what ends up happening in our world is if we have anything extra left over by the time the end of the month comes, maybe we'll think about giving. The Bible teaches differently, actually. The Bible teaches that we give right off the top, what's called like first fruits. Proverbs puts it this way, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Meaning that when we receive something, the first thing we do is give it back to God, a portion of it, some of it. This is a reminder then that everything that we receive first comes from God, and it also prioritizes generosity. And if we don't make this a habit, what will end up happening is greed will eat away at our soul. It just will, okay? So I want to invite you to make uh, giving a priority. This is actually why we started that 90-day giving challenge. It's actually about prioritizing giving. It's actually about getting into the rhythm and the habit of generosity. That if you're not doing this, I want to really encourage you and challenge you to give first. That as Larry shared, right? As Larry talked about, that what you kind of give is also what you'll be able to reap um, as well. So as you're planning for your budget, here's my suggestion. I think the goal for people who are followers of Christ is to be giving around 10% of your income, right? Of whatever is coming in, that's what you give back, right? That's what the Bible talks about. It talks about a tithe in Leviticus and in other places to give 10% of what you receive back to God as a way of, you know, remembering that really he's the source of everything. But as I said, I hope to be practical today. What I also know is just this. If you're deeply in debt, if you have never started giving, 10% seems like an impossibility, 
right? We don't need to pretend around that. We can just be honest with that. 10% seems like an impossibility. So here's my practical suggestion for all of us, whether you've been giving for a long time or not. My suggestion is just this, to pick any percentage of your income, to give that regularly, and then increase it as you can. That's what I want to give to you as a challenge and a suggestion. Pick any percent of your income, give regularly, and increase it as you can. Right? I think this is the right way to deal with it, because it is better to give something than it is to give nothing. This is why in the giving challenge, I didn't give to you, give this percentage. I care least about that. I care most about all of us getting into the habit and the pattern of generosity. That's what really matters, okay? So when you're budgeting, first give. Secondly, do you know what you then do? You start to plan out some savings. You start to save some of what comes in, okay? Whether it's just like $10 a week or, you know, like 100 bucks a month or whatever it is, I want to invite you to actually make saving a priority as well. Again, I think a good number is like 10%, but you know, I know we're in different spaces. But I want to encourage you to really make this a focus and to work hard at saving. And practically, what I would suggest is this, that you work at saving until you have at least $1,000 as kind of an emergency fund when something goes wrong. Because this is just true if you live long enough, right? Something always goes wrong, does it not? Right? And so then it's there. That might take you quite a while to work up, depending on where you're at. I want to invite you to just make that a focus, to work hard at that. Remember what Solomon teaches about working hard, right? So one of the ways you can do that is to actually, you know, cut things back so that you're saving a bit more. One of the other ways that you can do that is to actually increase what's coming in, right? I'll give you a practical example of this. That as Krista and I uh, were looking forward into our future a few years ago, what we realized is that with Krista going to school, do you want to know what all of a sudden happened? We went from having two incomes to one. one. Yeah, it's not hard math, right? Yeah, to one. <laughs> Okay? This was going to be quite a bit of a different financial situation. Not only then was our income going to come down drastically, you know what else was going to go up? Our expenses. As we're paying for tuition, as we're paying for school, and her traveling down to Ryerson, as she's like living out of the house in different spaces. And what we realized was that we were not going to be able to save enough to be able to pay for that. So you want to know, I'm going to brag about my wife for a little bit. So you want to know what my wife did? She started her own side business to pay for school. That's what she did. She taught herself to knit, she taught herself to crochet, she launched an online store of North Shore Handmade and has gone to like markets and all of that as a way to supplement, because we knew no matter how much we were saving, we weren't gonna get there. That's what we knew. So when it comes to savings, you can sometimes, you can sometimes like, like lower what you're spending or also increase a little bit of what you're earning, right? So give, save, and then what do you do with the rest? You can spend it, spend. Give, save, spend. Do you wanna know how our world functions? Say, yeah, the exact opposite. You got it, yeah. Spend, save, give. Right? Spend everything. If you have anything left over, save. And then if you have anything left over, give. Let me just be clear. It doesn't work. You can, it just doesn't. You can try it out for yourself. It doesn't work. Give, save, spend. So budget, okay? Second thing I want to invite you to do, second thing I want to invite you to do is to track what comes in. To track not only what comes in, but what you spend. To kind of track every dollar. To actually make your finances work for you. That, again... Shocking nobody. I'm pretty nerdy, right? I'm pretty nerdy. So I have a spreadsheet on it that I track every single transaction that we do every single week, right? And I know it's pretty nerdy, but in many ways, this is just practically what Solomon is teaching. Know the state of your flocks. Know the state of your accounts. That if you're surprised by what's in your account or your credit card bill or whatever, like just actually start to track things so you're not surprised by it. And if you're not like into like spreadsheets, there are apps that'll help you to do this, that'll categorize things for you, so you kind of know where you're at. Continue to actually just track your money, track what's happening. It'll help you to gain more control over it. 
Here's what I think we do if we're actually in struggles financially. One of the biggest coping mechanisms is mechanism. One of the biggest coping things <laughs> that people do, okay, is if there are struggles, what they do is then actually just ignore it. Okay? That only makes things worse. If you have a bill come in and you don't like read it or you don't like you know, open it, whatever else, sometimes we think that'll make things better. Actually, starting to gain some control by doing a budget and tracking things will really help. Okay? So budget and track. Okay? Third thing, practically, I want to invite you to do. Third thing I want to invite you to do is to actually dream about what you're working towards. Okay? To actually dream about what you're working towards. That it's so much easier to say no to going out to eat if you're actually saying yes to debt down payment. It's so much easier to say no to some new online purchase if you're actually saying yes to your first down payment on something. Right? It's so much easier to say no to this frivolous thing if you know, but this is going to get me to college or university. Right? Know what you are actually working towards. And what this means is really dreaming. Because living this way financially, it's not just about managing money. It's so that you can live well, right? Solomon teaches us this is how you live a successful, disciplined life. So do this kind of thing so you can actually live well. And this is just true. Dreaming is free, right? You can actually just dream. Like I know when Chris and I were first married, right, we had no money. We were living in a tiny, tiny basement apartment with, oh, the mice. There were so many mice in that place. Um, that's where we were living. But you know what? We still dream together. Now, our dreams have changed. Back then, we were dreaming about, can we actually get a down payment so we can move out of this place? Right? Back then, it was like, oh, can we own our car? Back then, it was, oh, can we go through university or whatever? We're dreaming differently now. Like, do you want to know what Chris is really dreaming about? She is dreaming about a hot tub. That's what she wants to save towards. I know. And do you know what I say to that? Keep on dreaming, love. We're just going to dream and dream and dream about this till we're in our 90s. Like, it's fine. Um, what I want to invite you to do is to actually dream about things together. Because while Krista has missed every single one of my mandatory budget meetings that I send to her through Google Invites, okay? <laughs> she says that it's lame for her husband to do that. I say it's efficient. That's what I say. <laughs> while she has missed every single one of those meetings we've ever had, she has never missed, never missed an opportunity to dream together about what we're working towards. Right? And this will change based on where you're at. Maybe it's for school. Maybe it's for you know, better housing or homes or whatever. But maybe it's for to leave a legacy for your grandkids. I, I don't know what you might be dreaming or working towards. What I know is that you should be thinking about that. I know you should be thinking about that. Right? So what's my challenge here today? My challenge is really, really simple, actually. Would you start to actually put work into your finances? And here's how. Through budgeting, tracking, and dreaming. Okay? Through budgeting, tracking, and dreaming. What's my main point? It's really simple. Put work into your finances. Because honestly, it's affecting all of us, right? Whether we have a lot or whether we have a little. So put some work into your finances. And then the practical ways you can do that is through budgeting, tracking, and dreaming together. And to help with this, we do have some extra supports for you as well. Not just like a sermon and talking. As some of you know, we already have a financial health workshop going on actually right now. Um, we've had it the last few weeks. What we also have going on is some supports in terms of we can connect you with debt counselors and all sorts of other things. But if you're looking for any supports, the right way to kind of move forward with that, that we can offer to you is simply to contact Patty at bethanycc.ca, and she can kind of be the point person for that. So what I want to invite you to do this week is something kind of old school, but I think it's good. Just put some uh, work into your finances. Put some work into your finances. And practically, as I said, it looks like budgeting, tracking, and dreaming. Right? Give, save, spend. And the reason that we do this, just so we're clear, because I don't want this sermon to be twisted at all by culture and the lenses we hear things through. The reason that we do all this is not that so we can all become millionaires, okay? 
Can I just be clear with this? That's not happening. Okay? Our world pushes that so it can continue to exploit people. That's not happening, actually. Okay? The reason we seek to live this way is so that we can become more financially free, so that we can live more faithfully and generously with God. That's why we do this stuff, actually. Okay? It's not just so that we can have more. It's like, no, 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 so that we can live more faithfully and generously with what God invites us into and with the world around us, that generosity can make an impact. But for that to happen, we need to do some work as well. So that's my challenge for us this week. Would you budget, would you track, and would you dream? And through that, might we see God kind of work with each and every one of us. So with that, would you join with me in prayer here this morning? God, I pray. I pray for each and every one of us, whether we have a lot or whether we have a little. I pray, Lord, would you help us to manage our finances well? Would you provide for us? Would you supply our needs? God, I pray too, would you give us the energy and the strength to put some work into this so that we might live more generously, so that we might live more faithfully, so that we might live being able to follow you better and deeper. And so I pray this week, Lord, as we go, might you help us to budget, to track, and to dream. And I pray most of all, God, would you continue to lead us in this? Would you provide for each and every one of us? And I pray this all in the wonderful name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. And.